everybody. Welcome to the Family Jewels True Crime Podcast. My name is Brian Sobolewski and I'm your host. Welcome to episode 11, Flat Plane Crank. And um, if you don't know what that is, if you don't know what a flat plane crank is, that is the actual uh, topic of this whole episode. Wrapped around my brother's final gesture. Now... Uh, if any of you have been following the Family Jewels podcast or following Brian Sobolewski on Instagram, um, you see I've been posting pictures of a Mustang, a, a Shelby GT350 2017 Mustang that had less than 800 miles when I got it. Now, I have a, a, a varied history with this car, as I've I've posted on my website, so or on my Instagram, so please go check that out. And um, um, <laughs> I swear to God, at some point I'm gonna update xconcomedy.com, but um, you know, I'm still looking to gussy things up on that level. And uh, super awesome announcement is there will be more sentence to stand-ups um, or more comedy shows uh, around developing the show, uh, the one-man show, you know, to get a practice stage. Um, as professional and as classy as as what I have been given is, has been a great opportunity. Um, so for any of you that are in Florida or anywhere near a farmer's table, and if it's, it's worth it to anybody that, you know, if you would ever go there based on my recommendation, please check it out because you would be supporting, you would, uh, you know, inadvertently be supporting uh, any comedy that I do thus far. But I was, um, I was able to get that space once a quarter so you know four times a year i'm gonna get you know i'm gonna try to start and and if it grows if it does well i'll start doing it for charity as a matter of fact the next one will probably be for charity um and most of what i did in the last show was donated to charity i donated to a nature conservative and i donated to dogs because you know fuck anybody that's ever heard a dog. So if you are a listener of mine and you ever laid your hands on a dog and they didn't deserve it, yeah, stop listening. Um, <laughs> I wonder, can you people notice? Do you notice the change? Do you notice the change in me? I am very uncompromising now. I don't want to play anymore. You know, life is about options. You're, uh, my ex-wife used to say, it's all about choices. And I said, no, it's all about options. And somebody that said, says, hey, it's all about choices has never been limited in choice. And when you become an ex-con in this country, that, those choices begin to narrow down very quickly. It's like that old Louis C.K. joke with that's like, hey, trade school is basically saying, hey, you know, when you're born, you're fed that, you know, you could be anything that you want in life. Anything that you want in life, you can be. But when we basically funnel you into a trade school, we're basically saying, well, you know, everybody else could be anything, but you guys can be like eight things. And I, I probably put more meat on that joke than Mr. CK does. Um, but my point is... Uh, <laughs> Being an ex-con has always been very difficult, and especially now that I am unable to carry out my father or my brother's wishes when it comes to the will. And I've already talked about that, so I won't continue to belabor the point. 
I have um, been going through a set of emotions based around my brother because, you know, there, there's two there, there's two scenarios here. Um, and both of them pretty much end up with uh, just Kev's entire life wrapped up in a shell of sadness. It's, uh, it's overwhelming. And um, the title of today's episode, Flat Plane Crank, has to do with the Mustang that he left me. And he left me a Shelby GT350 2017, a five-year-old vehicle. And, and it gets sadder as we go from here. So if you want to skip forward because you're tired of the sadness, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you at all. But there's a picture on my Facebook site of Kev um, in, in behind a 2015 Shelby Mustang GT350 that he took, that I took of him when he was coming out of my apartment in Somerville, Mass. That was the first time that Kevin and I had spoken and reconnected and um, had spent time together. He would come over there and, you know, I was ending up a, a, a very bad breakup, um, my divorce, and I was just at, at one, uh, one of those places yet again where, you know, my life was in shambles. And, and once again, Dad and Kev did swoop in and, and they helped. When, when you look at Kev in that picture, he's pretty heavy, man. And, and Kev spent the last, I don't know, 20 years of his life still beastly strong. Beastly. He started having some, some joint issues and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much of that was his diabetes, but so much of the end of his life had to do with how his his body was reacting to a lifetime of low blood sugars where just to give you some background most type 1 diabetics who are diagnosed with um, adolescent onset at 16 Kev was diagnosed and most type 1s are because the pancreas is just like nope I ain't, I ain't doing any insulin um, most people live with high blood pressure a high blood sugar and that high blood sugar causes a myriad of problems like blindness and um, having to amputate limbs. And that was something that's always just, could, could you imagine being diagnosed with something? I'm sure there's tons of people out there that listen with like Lyme disease. That's just the weirdest fucking thing in the world, but it's a very difficult thing to live with. And, and diabetes was no different for Kev. But you know, he would go to Jocelyn Clinic and, and they would be like, well, we don't know what you're talking about. Most people have high blood sugars and, and your A1C, which is a measurement of how much diabetes has affected you. I, I don't know it a, a ton, but I'm, I'm familiar with it. And it's a measurement. It's a metric of whether or not you are at risk of starting to have the symptoms that I mentioned, the blindness and the extremity, you know, deadening, it just dies and they have to amputate it. And it's terrible. And imagine being in fear of that your whole life. So Kev rode the low sugar dragon and refused to do any type of um, monitoring above and beyond the, the finger prick, which was outdated technology 20 years ago. I'm not going to sit here and try to fucking figure out what, why Kev chose not to do updated methods of testing for his blood sugar. 
I have theories. Uh, you know, maybe one day we will explore that. I just, in a lot of ways, I'm not ready. Which is why we're talking about flat plane crank engines. The Mustang that my brother bought in 2015 was a Shelby GT350, and then he upgraded it. So the car that I'm sitting here recording this podcast episode looking at and that I can't take my eyes off, that I can't wait to sit in, that I can't wait to drive, that I can't wait to start up, that I can't wait to see it. It's, it is my brother reaching beyond the grave and handing me something that he couldn't enjoy. Now, he had multiple stories of when he took out the 2015 Mustang of blacking out and ending up on Route 101 in New Hampshire in like Exeter or something towards towards mom's, which, you know, when you're having a low blood sugar episode and you're driving a 500 horsepower engine um, and you black out, it's amazing. My brother's brain was so fucking amazing that he could actually... And I, I don't know. I, I wish I could say that it was some sort of skill because there were so many times my brother could have been charged with, you know, vehicular homicide if things had just changed by a half an inch. When you plow through a McDonald's uh, Burger King drive through and smash into um, a hill, so many things could have gone wrong in that instance. You, you plowed through a rest area and through a Burger King busy drive through and only managed to walk out with scratches on you is some type of divine intervention which makes Kev's uh, life even fucking sadder. The thing that also makes me the saddest is that when I got to dad and Kev's, the house that they had in Florida that they bought, this new Mustang seemed very familiar to me, and why wouldn't it? Because I thought I had driven it before, but I got in it, and the first time I started it, um, I w it wouldn't start. The battery was dead. And I got out, and I'm looking at the car, and I look down at the license plate, and it, it the little sticker on your license plate that says when you are registered till or when your registration expires said 2019, and we're in 2022, which means that... Um, registration expired over two years prior to me getting there, which means that thing was not road legal and would not, Kev would not have driven it. Because the thought of having some metal hook tow truck driver come and have to pick that up because you got bagged because the registration was expired is a bad deal. Kev would never have gone for that. But the times that this kid faced death, like right in the eye, <laughs> And with me in the passenger seat, um, just makes you know or, or think that there was something he was intended to do. When you face death that many times and escape it, I, I can't, that is my conception of some sort of force in the universe that says, hey, uh, you, you're not done here. Uh, please seek <laughs> purpose. And that's something that my brother never had. But when it came to a flat plane crank engine, or when it came to the Mustang, and there's just so much history when it comes to why Kev chose this thing, and it's so much that I'm sure he doesn't even, he didn't even think about, but I want to direct your attention to a 1988 Ford Tempo Maroon 
four door. It was a it was like a family car, four cylinder. This is back in the eighties or or towards the end of the eighties. When everybody was the fuel crisis and oil and no more SUVs, at one point they were going to ban. The government was going to ban SUVs. And I'm sure of uh, the listeners that I have, more than two-thirds of you drive something that's way too big for you and way too guzzling and way too, you know, consumes way too much. But there was a point where they were going to, the government was going to limit, and I think at one point did limit car companies' car, car companies' ability uh, to create huge engines like that. And that has not necessarily changed with the advent of electricity, but there are warning signs on the horizon that most car companies are switching to electric by 2030, which means the government is moving to start a ban on the combustion engine, anything that consumes oil and gas. And so there are multiple car companies, Volkswagen, Chevy, uh, I don't know, I could be wrong in some of them. I know Volkswagen committed to being all electric by 2030. There are multiple car companies out there that are committed to switching over to this technology that isn't necessarily more environmentally, uh, you know, pro-environment than the combustion engine. There was one point that Volkswagen explored the diesel engine because they were like, hey, you know, electric's not better. Guys, electric is not environmentally better. Yes, you consume less gas, but the nickel that was mined to create your battery that will die in 100,000 miles and then it'll sit in a landfill and fuck this planet up, like turn it into Swiss cheese. It's already in that process. And a lot of people are like, well, I'm not burning oil or I'm not burning gas. But at the same time, you're using electricity that is run by nuclear and coal and gas. And <laughs> so I, uh, my ex-wife and I explored this whole thing before we ended up settling on uh, Volkswagen GTI uh, diesel. And it was a wonderful car. The only problem was, you know, at the time, there weren't many, you know, you had to find a gas station that, that had diesel because some of them don't. But uh, that that was you know wasn't a big deal, and it was awesome on gas, and uh, it was that that was a direction that Volkswagen seemed to be taking at the time until they said nope, got to go all electric. That being said, the flat plane crank engine that the Mustang Shelby uses is different. They don't put it in any other Ford product. So they're, you know, Chevy has an engine that they'll put into their trucks and they'll put into their Camaro and they'll, you know, they use across the board. And if you want to go check it out, you know, there's some cool videos on YouTube, you know, with the comparisons of the Mustang Shelby GT350 and other things in its class. Why am I going on about this? Why is this important to me? Who gives a shit? I was handed a Mustang that I would never walk into a dealership and say that I could buy it. Now, was that because I, I don't like them? No, it's because I never foresaw an opportunity for me to be able to do that. You know, I have a limited income. I'm not, I'm not dad and I didn't put, I, I am terrible at saving money. So every single time that dad offered to buy me a car, I always took the sensible dad choice, which led us to the Ford Tempo. Now, one night, I'm driving this thing, and you know, it was just such a, I loved it because it was new, which is where my addiction of new cars started. I love new cars, I love them. I like to start at zero. I don't want anybody else's mileage. It's like, it's like giving me a pair of old underwear. 
there's no pair of underwear. You want to wear that? I got a hundred thousand miles on this, but you could drive around for a little while. And straight out of prison, I did. I in in season two, I tell you that I drove that gold Ford um, Thunderbird. Oh my god, it was gold, folks. I look like a pimp. So so there are very rare times in my life that I've walked into a dealership by myself. When I tell you about the GTI that we got the diesel, that was with me and my my ex. The Ford Bronco that I talk about um, was dad's hand-me-down. So this is why I prefer to go and get my car. But in, never in a million years would I think that I would be in possession of a flat-plane crank Mustang Shelby GT350. Flat-plane crank means it, it just talks about the, the order of the pistons. And this is what makes me... Uh, renew or feel feelings for my brother that uh, I hadn't felt in a long time because here I am on a Sunday having spent the entire past 48 hours looking at YouTube videos and studying the machine that he left me. Now a couple weeks before the incident which I gave you a little bit of detail in the last episode and again I don't want to continue with the details I just don't feel ready this I want want to stay focused on today's episode which is a tribute to my brother's profound effect on my life good or bad and I've been sitting and studying this machine and it's the fucking Ford Tempo so <laughs> I went out one night in the Ford Tempo the four door family sedan and I'm, I'm I don't know 20 at the time maybe 18 maybe 18 or 19 and I crush a six-pack of Budweiser Talls. These things were monster beers. And I was wasted, but I don't know. I was like, oh, give me the keys. Let's go. And we had to go to store 24, a, a girl named Jen, who I was hanging out with at the time. Hang, and I was partying with some old, old, old Peabody friends on 114 in, in Peabody. And I had to drive from 114 to store 24 on Main Street. Is that Main Street? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, you know, maybe three fucking left turns and then to go home, three right turns. And on my way back, I was going through the light at 114 where there was a cleaners across the street. There's a Wilson Square, Wilson Square. The Cumberland Farms era was. And I drove straight through the intersection of the, um, of the light. The light was red and I blew through it must have passed out because like thing I knew I was jacked up on a planter in front of the auto insurance office that sat there were three stores in like this little tiny strip mall and I smashed right into the planter I don't know how I got there I don't remember a mistake I don't remember zigging when I should have zagged I just remember waking up and being like oh shit Jen didn't have her seatbelt on. This wasn't the t this wasn't when you know seatbelts were like illegal not to wear. And this car had automatic seatbelts, but you could detach them. And she detached hers, and I was like, "Oh shit!" But I had mine on. And and she hit her head. There was a little uh, spider web um, crack on her side. I noticed that right when I woke up, and I got out of the car. And she got out of the car, and I said, "We gotta go." My first instinct was to flee because I knew if the cops showed up, I'd, I'd, 
I would have gone down for a DUI. How did I know that? My brother went down for two DUIs prior to that, and I knew that's the first thing they would have done. If I left the scene, I had a fighting chance to avoid the shit show of a DUI. So we took back streets all the way back to my buddy Keith's house, and we got in, and, and she went in and pulled Keith out, and Keith was like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. And, and, you know, like any good friend, he ran right down to the scene, which was only less than a quarter mile from his house, and he went to go check it out, and... On the way, some cop pulled over and pulled him over. And he says, are you Brian Zobolewski? Like, the cops were pissed, according to Keith. When he came back, he gave me a full report that, you know, I, the, my registration was in there. Who the fuck else knew what was in there that identified me and my license plate? And, and so as soon as I got into Keith's house, I called my dad. And he was at Nancy's. And you remember Nancy. She ratted me out. But she answered the phone, and I thought it was dad because she always had a deep voice. Ha, ha, joke, joke. And I said, Dad, uh, I crashed the car. And he's like, are you okay, son? And I said, yeah. And he goes, were you drunk? And I said, no. And he goes, okay, we'll take care of it in the morning. Dad needed his four hours of sleep, trust me. The next morning, Dad calls me and says, some detective from the Peabody Police Department has been calling me all night. He wants you to call him. You got to call him. You got to call him. And I called him, and he was like, what the fuck? Why'd you leave the scene? And I said, I was scared. He's like, you're scared, huh? How drunk were you? And he said, you know, he goes right into detective mode. But there's nothing they could have done. I f uh, you know, they could have charged me with fleeing the scene. But, uh, you know, I don't know. They didn't. Nothing ended up happening to me, but I wouldn't ask for another car. I didn't think I deserved it, and I was never that kid. I, I just, there was a pecking order in this family, and, and you know, Kev had crashed so many cars that, uh, you know, if I, anybody gave me something on four wheels, I was very grateful for it, which led to me only ever buying base model cars my entire life. What? And it's disgusting. It's disgusting having anything that, that more than a couple wheels that you need to get you from point A to point B, but I don't want to turn this into an environmentally friendly podcast. This podcast used to be about armed robbery, and now it's... it's it was always about family, but it felt like there was that uh, there was an undercurrent of family. Now it's an overcurrent. So about a week before, while Dad was putting his will together, about a week before the incident, he called me up and he said, "Hey, I uh, just wanted to ask you. It, uh, Kev mentioned that you may not want the Mustang." And, and I thought it was the 2015, but apparently Kev upgraded. And uh, I did drive this car. He delivered it down here um, a couple months before they moved to Trinity because there was a a time they were thinking of moving closer to me, but Kev wouldn't have it. Kev wanted to be, you know, a coast away. So he wanted to be on the West Coast and I'd be on the East Coast and there would be very little chance that Dad and I would be able to continue to develop any type of personal relationship one-on-one. -on -one. I don't know. I don't know if that was his motivation, but Dad did seriously look at, at places in Boca, you know, like little condos, because you can't afford what they have in Trinity here. And I was actually relieved to know that they weren't going to live close by because, um, you know, it had been so long since Kevin and I had spoke. And when, when I... I put his Mustang into storage for him. He never thanked me for it. Um, when he came down here, there was a couple times that dad had to come see me to get the keys to the storage locker and, and Kev sat in the car. He didn't talk to me. 
got into some tax trouble recently um, before they died and I called dad and I asked for some help and Kevin ended up chiming in, chiming in and offering help which I texted him and I said hey dude you know I know we don't talk much but I really appreciate the help and he's like yeah I made some other points to try to engage in conversation, like a back and forth, and I got nothing. And I, that's the text. It's one of the last texts I have from him. But Dad said, you know, Kev mentioned that, it, you know, it didn't even occur to me that you might not want the Mustang. Do you want it? And I said, I don't know. Anyone out there would have refused this, this thing? I mean, it, I didn't want it. Now I have it, and now that I have studied it, this is the Ford Tempo. So because I didn't ask for another car after that incident, my dad, like a year later, was like, hey, how come you never asked to buy another car? Because he got insurance for the car that, that I crashed, fully insured. I was like, I don't know, I didn't think you'd give me one. He goes, okay, well, let's start shopping for it. And I went to uh, Wilmington Ford, right on 128 in uh, Wilmington, aptly named. And they had a sale where they were just trying to dump used cars for like three grand. They were like, any car for $29.95. And you know, they ended up walking out of there with a $3,500 car. But I got the two-door coupe version of the Ford Tempo. I got another one. And me and my brother had a joke. One <laughs> After I crashed the first one, he came to pick me up. I think I was going to UNH at the time. And he came to pick me up. He said, hey, what happened with that car? And I was like, dude, that was a Ford Tempo. Rary. It was temporary, and they, you know my brother almost crashed the car laughing. So I get another tempo that's souped up. It wasn't souped up. It was this little tiny engine, but it was a manual transmission. It had a little wing on the back. like It was just a, like a Corolla, like all souped. And I had that car for a very long time. I, my mother ended up just taking it. She's like, I just love this thing. She loved it, and my mother always loved little Fords. Uh, one of the things she taught me to drive in was a little tiny Ford. Um, I don't know, I think it looked like a spaceship can't remember the name of it. It was like a VR or something, blah, blah, blah. The car that I'm looking at right now is a red Ford Mustang GT350, but you squint, drink about a thousand beers, do a little heroin, some meth, you can look back and see the Ford Tempo. The jump in... in Every single category there is from, hey, this car does this and this car does that, could not be greater. And, and in terms of cars in its class, it's, it's just an unbelievably thought out, well-studied, obsessively studied choice. So that car, and top that off with the fact that my I'm pretty sure my brother bought it with his inheritance from mom's estate. He had 40-something thousand while he was in prison for a couple thousand years, sat in a Puritan fund. So see, he walked out and he had just enough, $60,000, $70,000 to buy this car. And he did. That That is how he, with all the shit that my brother has been through and behind that wheel, he was dangerous and, and you know negligent in, in a lot of ways. But once the seizure started... Seizures for Kev, he had one after a robbery that, that ended up having me and dad bring him to the hospital and it was a shit show, but they were rare. They were so fucking rare. And that's just basically when your sugar goes so low, your brain seizes because it doesn't have any sugar to even function and it just fucking knocks you out. It's possible you can knock into a coma. 
and according to dad, based on, and I still have recorded conversations here. I, I can tell you that the recorded conversations in season one have all been edited for, because every single time, every conversation that he would talk about a robbery would end with, yeah, Kev Sugar's out of control. And he was having nightly seizures. And that starts to, that starts to scar our brain. It's, it's, it's certainly not healthy. So I rambled on for 28 minutes about flat plank crank engines. Um, but, but it's amazing to me when I look at this car, Kev almost totaled my Ford Tempo, the second one, multiple times and it survived to eventually end up in somebody that respected it more than anybody would respect the car because she appreciated it and had gratitude. My mom. And I appreciate this car and I have gratitude. And it makes me love my brother. That's all I got for you guys today. Um, I don't have any comedy. This is going to be a nice 28-minute listen, listen for you guys. Thank you so much. Um, please stay tuned. I'm coming back to life, I swear. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really working on my mental health and trying to go through this process that has, uh, you know, as you can imagine, been overwhelming. So your support means the world to me. I don't know if I sounded angry in the last episode. I just wanted to express... This is just a shitty situation. So if you want to honor either one of, you know, my dad or my brother, donate money to somebody, a victim. Donate money to a victim. And that's why I chose dogs in the environment, because that Mustang is an affront to nature. And I, I drove it last night, um, took it for a little couple hour trip. And uh, I'm embarrassed to say. It's a pig. It's a total fucking pig of oil and gas, and it's absolutely a delight. And where so many people in my lineage that Kev was like, Bupchi being one of them, who I often describe as joyless, and I would also describe Kev as that, that is the last thing that he could get in to bring him joy. It was the skydiver. Remember I talked about the carnival that we had every single year, and Kev owned the skydiver. Kev would stand on top of a skydiver, um little car and hang at dizzying speeds he was a daredevil he just kept looking death in the face and it's why this ending is sadder than it needs to be and fucking ironic in all the worst ways so pray for me pray for each other take care of each other um that's all i got for you guys stay tuned next week our cars other car companies have lost the plot the Germans, for example, have fallen completely out of love with driving. Want proof? BMW just made a front-wheel drive SUV. Suddenly, it's America building the best driver's cars. Here's a muscle car that can easily show the world's sports cars how it's done. We've never really tested any cars before at Chuckwalla Valley Raceway, so we don't have a basis of comparison for Randy's lap time. Judging by my friends who drive Mustangs, the only car that the GT350 needed to outrun was a cop car. So we brought one along, a Dodge Charger Pursuit. Randy ran a couple of laps and it was 15.17 seconds slower. And I think the lesson here is that if you have a car that's fast enough, it's a really good strategy to try to outrun the cops.